Hey, I'm Jesse. Let's have a devotion. It's time for Pastor Mike's favorite sandwiches namesake to receive for allocation of the promised land. When we have our staff meetings at a restaurant, Pastor Mike usually orders the Reuben. Here is Joshua chapter 13, beginning in verse 15. To the tribe of Reuben's descendants by their clans, Moses gave this as their territory. From Aurora on the rim of the Arnon Valley, along with the city in the middle of the valley, the whole plateau as far as Medeba with Heshbon and all its cities on the plateau, Dibon, Bamoth Baal, Beth Baal, Maon, Jahaz, Kedemoth, Mephath, sorry, <laughs> Kiriathame, Sibma, Zareth, Shahar, in the hill valley, Beth Peor and the slopes of Pisgah, and Beth Jeshemoth. All the cities of the plateau and all the kingdom of Sihon of the Amorites who reigned in Heshbon. Moses had killed him and the chiefs of Midian, Evi, Rechem, Zur, Hur, and, Reb, uh, and uh, Reba, the princes of Sihon who lived in the land. Along with uh, those the Israelites put to death, they also killed the diviner Balaam, son of Beor, with the sword. We're going to talk about Balaam a little bit today. The border of the Reubenites was the Jordan and its plain. This was the inheritance of the Reubenites by their clans with the cities and their settlements. Here's where all of this plays out geographically. All right, see that? There's Pastor Mike's favorite sandwich. Also an allocation of the promised land of the people of Israel. There's the Arnon River as described in the text. There's the Dead Sea all the way up to the bank of the Jordan. They're just south of the tribe of Gad. So Manasseh, Gad, and Reuben were were good sports. They helped the rest of their sister tribes uh, take the promised land, and then they went back across to get their own pieces of land. So everything here is described. There's uh, there's Medeba right there. There's there's Heshbon. There's Aror, uh, and there's the city of Dibon, which, like we said, may or may not be modern the modern day city of Tel Diban. So let's look at let's look at the history behind this passage because it looks like just a, another really long hit list and some of it's kind of redundant because it's like wait we didn't we just read this these same accounts we did because at this point in Joshua they've experienced this huge victory and now it's time to place that victory within its proper redemptive scope take a minute step back look at everything that God has done and over the course of several generations he's been faithful to keep his promises so all of it's it's more than just like there's your land these are your borders uh this has deep roots and a notorious figure from the exodus has just been slain this guy balaam who is is killed in uh in the conquest that's that's recounted here in this chapter of joshua this 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 is sort of a redux of something that already came up in the book of uh in the book of numbers that balaam son of beor was uh, was killed with the sword. So in zooming out to just see everything that God has done, we're reminded of this notorious figure. Here's a, here's a little bit of background on who this is. Those of you who were with us in our study of uh, the book of Judges will will recognize uh, Midian. You know that uh, Gideon actually is going to lead a campaign against the Midianites in the book of Judges, and that's one of the brighter spots in that very bleak book because everybody's doing what they wanted to do instead of what God wanted them to do. And and uh, just I'm not going to read every verse. If you're watching this on video at allies.network, you see all the text that I've got here today. It's, don't worry, we're not we don't have time to go through all of it. But I just wanted to, I just want you to appreciate what's recounted here in the book of Joshua. 
The Lord spoke to Moses, execute vengeance for the Israelites against the Midianites. After that, you will be gathered to your people. So this is, this is a part of uh, Moses' last hurrah. I'm going to skip down to, I think, verse 7. They waged war against Midian as the Lord had commanded Moses and killed every male. Along with the others slain by them, they killed the Midianite kings, Evi, Rechem, Zur, Hur, Reba, the five kings of Midian. They also killed Balaam, son of Peor, with the sword. Uh, hang on a second, Jesse. They're called kings in Numbers, but they were called princes. Uh, they were called princes in Joshua. This means that they are kings by descent. They were the, they were the heirs to the throne. Both texts are... Are, are accurate. So they were both princes uh, and, and became kings. So all of these guys are, uh, are recounted, and you can see how Numbers also accounts for the, the, the death of Balaam. Um, in Numbers, uh, really it's chapters like, I think, 21 or 22 through chapter 24, Balaam is this operative figure. And it's fascinating because he doesn't worship God, but he refers to the Lord as his God. He is a pagan diviner, a prophet for hire. You can pay him money and he'll speak out these oracles. So Balak, the king of Moab, hires him and says, ooh, since they're waging spiritual warfare, I'm going to go find a spiritual mercenary, a, you know, a hired gun, and, and have him speak curses over Israel. So the elders of Moab uh, and Midian departed with fees for divination in hand. I wonder what, I wonder what Balaam's rate was. <laughs> they came to Balaam and reported Balak's words to him. He said to them, spend the night here and I'll give you the answer the Lord tells me. So the officials of Moab stayed with Balaam. Then God came to Balaam. Remember, Balaam is not a believer. Balaam does not believe in God. He does not worship God. He believes that God exists but he evidently doesn't take God for who God says he is. Okay, am I talking to you right now? Okay, are you like Balaam? You, know, you believe in God, but you think that God is wrong in some of the claims he's made about himself. You're not submitting to his lordship. You're going to do your own thing. Maybe even integrate some other religions in with your Christianity. Okay, watch out, watch out, because this was, this was Balaam. You might even be used mightily by God to bless the people of God and then not be with God in eternity after you die. That was the case for Balaam. So Balaam, uh, God said to Balaam and asked, who are these men with you? And not that he didn't know, God asks questions so that we would answer them, not to procure information he doesn't have. He's omniscient. Balaam replied to God, Balak, son of Zippor, the king of Moab, sent this message to me. Look, a people has come out of Egypt, and they cover the surface of the land. Like So now Balaam is telling God, uh, about God's own people. Now come and put a curse on them for me. I may be able to fight against them and drive them away. So, so Balaam relays to God what Balak has said to him. Then God said to Balaam, you are not to go with them. You are not to curse this people for they are blessed. So Balaam got up the next morning and said to Balak's officials, go back to your land because the Lord has refused to let me go with you. The officials of Moab arose, returned to Balak and reported, Balaam refused to come with us. So it, they're going to have a hard time uh, with Balaam. They're trying to get him to, uh, to curse Israel. But as you can see, uh, you know, over, over the course of time, you know, uh, Balaam responds to them. If Balak were to give me his house full of silver and gold, I could not go against the command of the Lord, my God, to do anything small or great. So he's going to refuse to defy God. He even refers to him as the Lord, my God. Uh, then, you know, there's this frustration that comes up 
uh, and it's, it's articulated in Numbers 24.10. Then Balak, remember that's the king of Moab, became furious with Balaam and struck his hands together. This is before clapping was a thing, evidently. And said to him, I summoned you to put a curse on my enemies, but instead you have blessed them these three times. And what's funny is that after this, Balaam will go on in a fourth oracle to once again bless Israel. <laughs> so, uh, you know, Balak feels ripped off. He found a prophet on Craigslist and man, he's just, he's just not living up to uh, the, the photos <laughs> on the listing. Instead, he keeps blessing his enemies, doing the opposite of what they paid him, uh, tried, you know, tried to pay him to do. And so ultimately, though, Balaam's not a good guy. You can see this in Numbers 31. Uh, this, is, this is where uh, Balaam had actually um, spotted a weakness in the people of Israel. And that was that the men of Israel kind of had a thing for pagan women. And he said, hey, if you, if you can destroy their marriages, if you can you know, basically incite lust in the Israelite men, then they're going to forsake their God, and they're not going to be as strong as they were. Uh, Numbers 31, verse 13, Moses, the priest Eleazar, and all the leaders of the community went to meet them outside the camp. But Moses became furious with the officers, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds who were returning from the military campaign. Have you let every female live, he asked them? Yet they're the ones who, at Balaam's advice, incited the Israelites to unfaithfulness against the Lord in the Peor incident, so that the plague came against the Lord's community. So, uh, in all of this, you know, Balaam turns out not to be such a good guy. And uh, they're, they're unfaithful to the Lord. But even then, even then, uh, it kind of sets the stage for another really prominent um, New Testament teaching from Jesus. Jesus would refer back to this era and, and give us a famous verse from which we can, we, we teach the gospel every week at the Redemption Church. So Joshua has zoomed way out to give a full account of not only Reuben's allocation of land, but everything that happened there, and, in, and including some of the, the victories that God had given even the previous generation of Israelites under the leadership of Moses. And here in Joshua is an account for uh, the, the death of Balaam. Remember that God can speak through anyone, even people who don't believe that he is who he says he is. God can send out prophetic words even, through his enemies, from the mouths of his own crucifiers, God spoke. We saw this in Caiaphas, who inadvertently prophesied. We see this in Balaam, and you can hear it today too. All truth is God's truth was the adage that sort of circulated within Christianity, but I think what's better is John 14, 6. Jesus is the truth. He's the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. So when someone, even someone who doesn't believe in God, even someone who seems ambivalent about God, even someone historically going all the way back to Balaam, who is an enemy of God, can be used to speak the truth of God. So if you've ever heard something true from an unlikely source, and you're like, what do I do with this? I don't know, this guy is just sort of like a self-help motivational speaker, but his, his advice sounds pretty good. How do I square that with, with the, the authority of the Word of God? Well, if it's true, it's a glimpse of Jesus. It's this tiny glimpse of Jesus, the truth, even in the mouth from the lips of someone who doesn't profess faith in him. That's nothing new. That goes all the way back to Balaam, okay? Balaam met his demise. It's Numbers 31 and included here in this recount of Joshua. So, be wary, be skeptical of sources, but also know 
that God can speak through anyone and uh, hold the authority of Scripture in the highest regard because included in Scripture is the downfall of that false prophet for hire who also would turn on the people of God. Okay, so yeah, I get it. You know, um, I've, I've, you know, re- I read one of Tony Robbins' books years ago. He professes to be a Christian too, but uh, what he what he speaks is not gospel. So what do you do when somebody like that says something that sounds pretty accurate and pretty true? You're like, I don't know. It kind of makes me want to trust it. Hold the word of God in reverence way above anything else that you hear in this world. I think you know, uh, if if Tony Robbins is in fact a Christian, he would tell you the same thing. But know that God can speak truth through anyone, even someone who lives as and acts as and professes to be an enemy of God. But these enemies of God will all ultimately meet their end in God's will. God can take even the ground beneath his enemy's feet, and he can give it to his people who become the namesake of Pastor Mike's favorite sandwich. God is the one who is truth. God is the one who is sovereign. His will is always done.